by the way, James, where I come from, it's the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The grease, okay. <laughs> All right, that ex that explains your hairdo this morning. <laughs> Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Palachuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hey, MSPs. People are talking about you behind your back. They're regulators and legislators. There's CISA and the states of Texas, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Louisiana, and more. Every state now has at least one committee in their state legislature that focuses on cybersecurity. That means regulation is coming. You can count on it. The National Society of IT Service Providers was created to give you a seat at the table when someone's talking about you. That includes regulators, legislators, and even the media. Find out more and join today at www.nsitsp.org. We're working on your behalf to turn the industry into a profession. All right, welcome back to the SNB Community Podcast. This is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting, and I am here with my friends, Amy Babinchak and Carl Palachek. If you guys read the, the big headlines, I think this week probably would be Rob Ray going to Pax State. Yep. How did I already know that? Like, I was not surprised by the news. Like, I just, I knew that he was going to Pax State. So this. Yeah, he just kind of disappeared. But yeah, that's a logical move. Yeah, you had heard the, like the rumor mill? I guess so. I guess I did. And I just thought it was already, already a known thing that that's what was going to be happening. Ah, very interesting. Well, I'm not the least bit surprised by it, although I hadn't heard of it. Uh, I, I guess I'm not connected to the, to the good information, but um, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I had heard long ago that uh, Pax8 is going to be, you know, one of the next companies to go public or to, uh, you know, take a new round of funding. Mm -hmm. So uh, this, this is their year. And um, so making Rob Ray a corporate vice president goes a long ways. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It certainly rocketed up uh, in just a few short years here from a, the new distributor on the block to, you know, top three. So, yeah. So, um, so I don't know whether that will be good or bad for the community. I, I'm, I'm always suspicious of, what big money has done for the major vendors in our organization, in our corporation, or in our mm -hmm. community. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, will they lose their personal touch? Will they lose their excellent customer service? Uh, I'm also a firm believer that there's an inverse relationship between size and good customer service. So give yeah, the corporation I, a bunch of money and see what happens. I think it'll be good news in the short term. You know, there'll be garner a lot of attention, a lot of excitement, a lot of new programs. Then they'll go public. And then I completely agree with you. You know, things, uh, it's just the way the world works. When you become a publicly traded company, it's all about 
hitting those numbers, regardless if you're, you know, you need hit that top line revenue, regardless if you're making profit or not. So you make these, you know, horrible short-term, you know, or, or quick short-term decisions and it'll have really bad effects over the long-term. And uh, I've worked with some and have seen that happen, but yeah, especially in the channel, it, you know, where some examples of where it really helped. You know, I can't really think of any. So well, going public is slightly <laughs> different than going, you know, being bought by a, um, by an investment firm, which mm -hmm. has really proven to be negative in our industry. Mm -hmm. I think we've yet to see a successful implementation <clears throat> of that where everybody comes out pretty happy. Yeah. So. <clears throat> well, if a firm buys another company so that they can improve it and make it better and invest in research and so forth. That's one thing. That doesn't happen except with very old companies, usually. Uh, with newer companies that a lot of them, a lot of the companies in our channel were created specifically with the thought, I will get to X size and then we will take in, you know, another round of funding or we will go public. Like that was the intention from day one. Uh, and so they're just executing their plan. Um, and I'm not saying that's true with Pax8. I'm just, in general, that's true with many, many organizations in our channel. It is. I mean, where is storage craft today? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's such a good example of a firm that was mm -hmm. started in our end of the industry, in the, the SMB market space, got developed an excellent reputation as you know, being the backup solution and had awesome technology that was licensed to pretty much every other backup vendor in the industry. And then they were bought by an investment company who emphasized sales over product development. Mm -hmm. And we just don't even see them in our, I mean, maybe they've gone off to enterprise or something, but we just don't even see them in our part of the industry anymore. Right. Yeah, they don't come up anymore. You're right. Mm -mm. Well, uh, on uh, the lighter side, it's nice to have lots of money being pumped into our channel. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, you know, that, that money flows somewhere. So, um, yeah. What about shows? It seems to me that uh, all, there's a, a lot of people who spend their time in booths who really, really want the shows to come back because they miss their old friends. And I think mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the, the people who put on shows will tell you, oh, we're at 110% of what we used to be. But you look around, it's like, no, no, you mean there's 110 people here. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. and so it's, they're not getting the attendance that they are claiming for the most part. Um, uh, will they come back this year? Will shows ever come back the way they were? Yeah, it's a good, good point. There's a lot coming, right? There's a lot coming, and I think there's just such an increase in competition of shows. Everybody's jockeying for uh, the MSP business owner's time, you know, to get them to come. And it's a big investment, you know, time-wise and resources. And, uh, you know, so it it is hard. But uh, I don't know. I, I see an influx of, of events, and I think the attendance will go up, you know, especially at the really fun ones. Um, you know, I'm... I'm hearing that at least, uh, you know, people telling me that they're traveling more and planning on attending more events. So I don't know, Amy, what are your thoughts? I think events are going to have to change and do something new 
you know, I think the tendency is probably just to uh, do what they did before, before mm -hmm. the pandemic, you know, and then now that, now that events are back, they can just, you know, re-roll out the plan. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a mistake for a lot of them. I think this, they should take this opportunity to, to reinvent and, and do something new and that will bring mm -hmm. people, people back. I don't know that people want to go back to the, the way that they did things, you know, just like we're seeing the, you know, businesses are not operating the way that they operated before, right? They're much more mobile today and employees coming and going out of the office and they've reinvented themselves. I, I think events need to reinvent too. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I think a lot of companies, corporate uh, organizations made really silly decisions and uh, most people did during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. people who who moved to another state because now they can work remote. It's like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you know, this will end at some point and now you got a house in Colorado and you live in, and you work in California. That's a long <laughs> commute, you know? <laughs> so, there, so there's some of that, but there's also corporations who got rid of their offices or uh, I know one near the state capital here that uh, they basically went to an open floor plan where, you know, it's like everybody's sitting at a picnic table and that's great if you're in the office one day a week, but if you're in the office three or four days a week, it's a yeah. disaster. You know, it's like having a, your your Zoom meetings at uh, Starbucks. Yeah, it certainly changed the culture of many businesses, right? And um, it's, and, and they'll probably go in in the backward quote unquote backward direction a little bit just because they have to have their people actually be productive and. Right now, many of them, their people are more productive at home than than they are in the new office. Yeah, yeah. In many cases, that that's true. I've seen some people get, uh, you know, take advantage of that and not hold their employees accountable. But you know, you can fix things like that when you have a a large remote workforce by having strong goals in place and um, accountability teams, good communication, using technology like like Zoom here or you know chat. Uh, just to stay connected um, in morning huddles, you know, daily huddles, I think was a great idea, you know, to keep people uh, accountable, but engaged and motivated. You know, some people like me, I'm I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. I like that energy and working too much remote drives me crazy. So okay. I need to find a balance of being able to, you know, kind of like you said a moment ago, Carl, about, you know, I miss my friends being able to go to the shows and, uh, you know, or customers and, and meet face to face. So anyway, that's my two cents. That's my two cents. But yeah, things are changing. It's interesting. You kind of brought up, um, what do you think about hybrid events? When you have an event, you know, everybody wants, you know, the vendors all want to physically go there. They want you there. But a lot of people, including me, are still keeping, uh, Kind of a dual way for people to attend they can attend in person and that's preferred but you also can attend virtually and what what are your thoughts on that because i have mixed feelings myself um would love everybody to be there but do you think that's going to continue you think that's going away i know the experience is far different in person it's much better in person then it would be remote. So engagement is much lower online, but what are your guys' thoughts? I think if you're going to do any kind of remote event, 
or hybrid event, you have to really change the way you're doing things to engage the remote attendees. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I still think that the the best best one that I who really does a good job with this is is Dave Seibert with his SMB Tech Fest. Mm-hmm. I think he does a really good job of engaging the remote attendees, making them feel like they're in the room, mm-hmm. giving opportunities for the speakers to engage with the people that are remote. Mm-hmm. Um, good point. You know, if you don't do that, if you just stick a camera up in the room and say, you know, you can be here as a fly on the wall, that's not really engaging, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the vendors are going to get any benefit from it. And I think the the person watching won't get as much from it either. Yeah. That's a great, great point. It's a two-way street for sure. Well, <clears throat> yeah. I think that the people who attend virtually, they've always got it on the second screen. They are literally not paying attention. Uh, my guess is that vendors are not getting engagement from those people. And ultimately, if the vendors are not getting engagement, they're they're not interested. You know, yeah. they're they're paying for engagement. They're not they're not paying for people to have it in sort of like uh, a, a bug in their left ear. Yeah, you know? I think you can you can be designed in. You just don't see very many events making the effort. Yeah, it's uh, I, I see it fizzling out, you know, continue to fizzle out just because of the lack of engagement. And to me, the best part, and I've heard this time and time again from other folks, but the best part of these events might not be the keynote, right? It's the networking. It's, you know, rubbing elbows with your peers and, and you know, the cocktail hour or the lunch hour or the breakfast hour. So that's, you know, you'll learn a lot. At, in form relationships at, at that time. So and you can't do that online. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely true. And, you know, I mean, you could have fun and games and do stuff online, but uh, it takes a lot of extra effort to, to first of all, it's a ridiculous amount of effort to do a live event, especially a multi-day live event. Mm-hmm. And then to add a quality online experience on top of that, it's, I wouldn't say it's twice the money, but it's it's a massive amount of effort and you need another team to do that. So mm-hmm. people who think you just turn on a camera and flip a switch, eh, they've never put on a live event. <laughs> yeah. Well, the pan- pandemic, um, you know, really flipped everything upside down and, and we learned a lot. I still think there's some lessons to be learned. It's interesting, um, you know, maybe as a, a byproduct of that, you know, more and more people started working remote and it seemed like the market got really hard. It was challenging to find good people and keep good people. You know, salaries kept going up, you know, for all of us in, in technology and the business owners that could afford it, you know, just kept paying more and more. Uh, and I think employees got away with more and more. There's a lot more flexibility, but kind of back to your point where things are kind of coming back to normal. And uh, now that economic indicators are kind of, the economy is kind of changing things. Uh, We're seeing big uh, tech companies laying off more and more people. And I think that is going to trickle down into, you know, more of the mid-sized market and small market for MSPs, just because everybody's costs are out of whack. There was a really good, I don't know if any of you are um, subscribers to Arlen Sorensen's Thoughts from the Farm blog. Mm -hmm. There's a daily blog he sends out, and I read it early in the morning. And he basically was making the point that uh, they'll, you know, people need to costs are out of whack, basically, and we need to raise our prices. 
you know, because our labor force, you know, we're paying our people a lot more money. And um, uh, in some cases, you know, some of the people that the MSPs that can't raise their prices or raise them enough to catch up, you know, to these eroding margins need to lay off some people, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to see that in some areas where people are operating in the red and they shouldn't be, you know, and the big, big companies, you know, it's, it's maybe not, I'm not a huge fan of this where they lay off 10,000 people and it seems like they don't have a heart, but I think they're onto something, you know, the smaller MSPs where maybe we do have bigger hearts, it's harder to let those employees go, right? And uh, sometimes you keep people longer than you should. So I think what kind of my takeaway was is, you know, for a business owner perspective, you know, be smart. If, you're, if your margins are thinner, you know, you need to raise your prices or you need to, you know, maybe look at your workforce and do you need to keep everybody? Uh, maybe there a layoff uh, is out, out there. You know, I think it's a great time to recruit as well. And then also from a, an employee standpoint, the thing I wanted to say is just be careful of what you're asking for because you're susceptible for you being let go uh, if you're asking for too much. You know, the squeaky wheel doesn't always get the oil in that instance. I remember, you know, I can tell you countless stories about that. But anyway, it's another topic I wanted to bring up uh, today of what I think we're going to face uh, here for the rest of 2023. Well, the um, the wages are coming down from what I've been reading. So, you know, mm -hmm. they sort of artificially inflated because it, it looked like, you know, there was going to be a shortage, but there, there isn't. So... Uh, prices are coming, prices of employees are coming down. So yeah, if anybody hired at those inflated rates, those will be the first folks to be, to be let yeah. go. Yeah. Um, today on, today on LinkedIn, you know, they put the little news blurbs on the, the right-hand column. Mm -hmm. Right in sequence is latest layoffs, Pinterest, REI, more, right? Big companies that hired too many people during the pandemic and now they're trimming back. And then the very next article is job opening surge to five month high. <laughs> so, you know, so on the one hand, I hear people like thinking that we're heading into a recession because all the news is about layoffs, 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 layoffs. On the other hand, the job reports were creating more jobs than we're filling. Massive. So, so actually the economy is is pretty stable it's just the the news is a bit whack because of these yeah big yeah. big companies you know right sizing right well i i mentioned in my state of the nation address that you know the the end is coming for those people who are overpriced and think that they can ask too much money in this industry because it's it's unsustainable right and so right. it's yeah. just you know and that's just the normal thing sometimes we underpay sometimes we overpay and the pendulum just swings back and forth Uh, on other fronts, somebody put a note in about a green comet. I had not seen that until I saw the show notes. That's me. I put a what, bunch of stuff in there today. The green, comet? the green comet. Yeah. There is a comet that is bright green, visible with the eye. Um, its peak was yesterday, the first, but um, it'll be visible all the way through April. And yeah. it has not been seen since Neanderthal times. Wow. So, 
So you should get out and see the green comet, use the app on your phone to locate where it is and just look up in the sky and you'll be able to see it as soon as this moon gets out of its bright phase. So, so it'll be visible for months. Does it have a name? It must have a name. It's Cousin Larry's pretty good comet. Cousin Larry's pretty good, pretty nice green comet. I don't mm. know if it has a name. I didn't see its Maybe. name. It probably has some really, really dumb name. I thought you were talking about the, by his green the comet. The superhero named the Green Lantern. That's that's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, maybe this is where the C <laughs> C forward slash two o two two e three. That's its name. Wow. The green com the green comet. That's so, pretty dry. I, I, now yeah. I got to look that up because I have a like a stargazing app, but if I put in green comet, I my guess is it's not going to come up with anything. Yeah, might it's a thing. So anyway. That was the, uh, you know, I, I chase auroras now and then. So this has been coming up in my news feed about the green comet. So uh, green, what chemical burns green? Like, because that's how comets like that. It's, it's the you know, iron is red. What's green? You know, I haven't seen that in any of the, um, I haven't seen what that is in any of the news articles about it. But you're right. It's uh, the trailing trailing gases burning off that make the color. Yeah. One of I'm, one of our listeners will tell us. I'm sure exactly. they know. Oh, great! I'm glad you reminded me. So, send us your emails, your your letters. Uh, if you go to smbcommunitypodcast.com, you can send us a note, and and we would love to answer your questions or respond to your abuse or your feedback or whatever. <laughs> Your abuse, I love it. I'll send James out after you. Yeah, yeah. be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, yeah. As much as I know about chemistry, is just enough to keep the hot tub clean. So <laughs> I'm really good at that. That, but that's kind of it. So that's pretty cool. I have to go go out and check that out later today. Yeah. So the other thing in the news that you know, I really thought we had talked about ad nauseum and wouldn't need to talk about anymore is the chat GPT, but the rumor was true. They have a $20 a month plan now. Oh, and I, I would totally pay for that. And just in terms not to create ridiculous essays, I, I'd say two pieces of fun information that came out. Uh, one was the, uh, the meme about uh, chat GPT is just uh, great for mansplaining, you know, it, it speaks authoritatively on things it doesn't actually know. Um, <laughs> and, and the other one is that there was just a story on uh, radio about uh, a kid asked GP, chat GPT to write an essay about the planets and uh, it had the wrong size of planets. It was like, oh, well, you know, Saturn oh. is beautiful and da, 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 da. And it's so big, all the other planets can fit into it. And, and the kid is like, except it's not the biggest planet. Jupiter's the biggest planet and all the other planets will fit in it. So, so it, is, can, it can fit Jupiter inside of it. So this has to be wrong. <laughs> it, it is true. It is true. You can't believe everything on the internet, right? <laughs> or it is true that this thing has become sentient and now makes mistakes just like the rest of us. It just got a lot less smart. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It keeps coming up in my circles as well. We had a one of our mastermind calls were yesterday and one of the peer group members had pointed out, he said, hey, yeah, the Chamber of Commerce asked me to come in and do a cybersecurity talk. 
And, you know, I haven't done a talk for a while. So I just used chat GBT and it, you know, write a, he said, write a speech on cybersecurity and it printed out two pages. So, and he was holding it up saying, he goes, I read it. It's, it's pretty impressive. It has some good content. But so, is it true? Like, are, is it? That, well, that's that? true. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. He seemed to think so with, uh, you know, his uh, feeling, but I think it's a great resource to kind of get you 90, 95% there. And then like we've talked about before, I think it's really important to add your personality and your own spin on that. But obviously we need to, you know, some fact checkers uh, to make sure that uh, we're sharing truth. I, I I believe, so I think the reason I, that I would pay $20 a month is that I think it is great for generating alternatives to something. For example, social media posts. We talked about this last time that uh, if I want 10, 10 different ways to say the same thing, uh, it'll give me that with a lot less use of my personal brain power uh, or my employee's brain power. Uh, but or ideas like the thing is like we had it do the thing with the great by choice and it picked out one interesting fact that was not actually the key element of culture with regard to great by choice it was just a suggestion in the book but it, because it glommed onto that it then went down that rabbit hole and uh, wrote mm. a folk song about uh one element of the book that wasn't actually the most important part of the book, in my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah. so you have to use it carefully. It is a tool, and and that's that's the key piece. But I will say, all the buzz suggests that it has enough consciousness in the human conscience that um, you know we know how to use it, and we will find ways to use it uh, for good or bad. Um, so that makes it a viable product. And when, for the first time, I think people are beginning to understand, oh, artificial intelligence, there's a lot more artificial than there is intelligence. So we are looking at some, some old version of chat GPT when we look at it now. So there's apparently a 4.0 version that has been trained on 500 times as much data. Wow. So it should be even more accurate, provided it's not 500 times more garbage data, right? <laughs> so that version True. might be the public version now because they've got a thing that pops up that says there's a January 30th update with improve, you know, whatever. Improve. I was looking at it this morning to, to help me write five variations on, on posts and um, uh, it was very busy. Right. Mm -hmm. So it kept it kept erroring out. And the thing is, if you pay twenty dollars, it won't do that. So it's never done that to me before. <laughs> but now it is doing that to me because I didn't pony up for my twenty dollars a month yet. Uh, uh, I wonder and, if uh, you can find like what are the most common searches on chat GPT like that's that's good fodder for news stories right there. Yeah, that's a, well, that's a great feature. Part of the part of the article on the the new subscription was uh, a quote from BuzzFeed saying that they are subscribed and are using it to generate content. Oh, you so know, that's interesting. But, so I don't see, I don't see. Buzz, BuzzFeed's theoretically a news agency. So I'm not sure what it is that they're gonna use old content for, but um, you know, maybe they're, 
they're not an actual news agency. They're sort of a social media news company. I don't know. I'd be interested to know how they actually are going to be using it. Yeah. I like BuzzFeed. I like their feed. I like their buzz. Yeah. But maybe they're they're appropriate because they're not quite news and not quite buzz. <laughs> <laughs> We are the number one podcast for managed services, according to a thing called FeedSpot. And I would only point out to you that until this very second, you probably never heard of FeedSpot. And this is one of the most frustrating things on the internet is that uh, sites appear out of nowhere. They do some Google search and then they they create a rating thing um, and then they either sell ads or they sell affiliate marketing. Uh, you know, so you you are looking for some product, a new uh, uh, hair cutter or something, and um, <laughs> they, they rate all of the hair cutters on earth. And uh, you know, here are the top twelve, and here are affiliate links to go buy them, right? And and so it becomes harder and harder to actually find something that you're actually looking for because you're overwhelmed by these rating sites that are not actually legit ratings at all. They are just like, here's a thing in this category. Here's a paragraph from their website and, uh, you know, some related links that will put money in our pocket. Uh, so anyway, uh, so we're on the number, we're number one on that list, which is nice to know. But yeah, that's in awesome. my opinion, it is meaningless. And if somebody from Speedspot actually exists and would like to talk about this, we'll be happy to have them on the show. Well, I, I was excited for just a second, and then you said it was meaningless, and now I'm not so excited. But I, I am hearing there's a little bit to be the top out of 15. That's that's worth something. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, Please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback. Bye.